Squid Game has become one of the most popular series ever streamed on Netflix, sparking memes, Halloween costume ideas, and a major fan base for one of the lead actors, Ho Young Chung. According to Netflix, Squid Game was viewed in more than 142 million households in its first 28 days on the streaming platform. I like Squid Game because the musical compositions were able to drive so much more power into every scene, and the actors' talents really were able to shine through. I like game shows. I loved seeing the new sets and the games. You obviously want to keep watching because you need to see what happens, and those shows really hook me in. The games were obviously super intense, but also the characters, they just felt very real and their motivations justified the extreme circumstances they put themselves in. Set in South Korea, Squid Game follows a competition where 456 players play a series of deadly children's games to win a cash prize and pay off their debts. The general premise of this Korean drama is not new to the world of entertainment. The survival game genre has been on the rise for many years now. Part of the appeal is the element of danger and gore. But death games also have an underlying theme in common, the divide between the rich and the poor. Film director and screenwriter of Squid Game, Hwang Dong-hyuk, explained in an interview with Good Morning America that COVID-19 had a major impact on the economy, creating a larger wealth gap not only in South Korea but other parts of the world as well. To reinforce that point, characters in the show come from various backgrounds. If you look at the cast of characters, you have the elite member of society, Sangwoo. You have the blue-collar middle-class man, Giyun. You have the migrant worker, Ali. You have Sebyok, and you have Ilnam, who sort of represents the senior class. They may seem very specific to Korea, but I think they constitute the minority in any country in the world. The popularity of this genre arguably began with Battle Royale, a Japanese action thriller film released in the year 2000. The film revolves around a group of students who are forced to fight to the death by the Japanese totalitarian government. Although Battle Royale was highly controversial during its initial release, and even banned in several countries, the film became a cultural phenomenon and influenced a new wave of TV shows, video games, comics, and animation related to the survival game genre. More than 20 years later, audiences have watched many films and TV shows that focus on ritualized violence and class disparities. The Hunger Games trilogy in particular attracted a large global fan base. They just want a good show. That's all they want. If they don't have a bow, then you make one, okay? You know how to hunt. Animals. It's no different, Gavis. There's 24 of us, Gail. Only one comes out. Based on Suzanne Collins' best-selling dystopian novels, the films show teenagers from different districts in the country of Panem competing to the death as a form of televised entertainment. Competitors from the wealthier districts have more training resources. Poorer districts are forced to participate and usually lose their children. In the course of the popular trilogy, an underdog winds up toppling a regime. Happy Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor. The portrayal of class disparities is not only something we've seen in works coming from the U.S., it's also a popular topic in East Asian films and shows. We oftentimes think about the origin of death games and, you know, the Japanese film, Battle Royale, from 2000, redefined death game, especially, you know, the concept of last person standing. Lei Ping, assistant professor of Chinese studies at the New School, teaches several courses about East Asian pop culture. It's, it's very, very Japanese in the way that it's sort of manga-based, 
based. We have this idea of yeah, depicting a near future government. Of course, this is comparable to speaking, but you know, they pit against each other, high school students, in this fight to, to death. From Parasite winning the Oscar for Best Picture in 2020 to the most recent cultural phenomenon of Squid Game, these pictures have captivated audiences in the U.S. and other parts of the Western world. Violence on screen is really physical and mental and, you know, also include a kind of sense of betrayal among friends, even family members, which makes you start thinking about if there is a way out of this kind of society. This is the message sent by Squid Game, again, going back to Squid Game, our, our director himself, Huang Dong-hyuk, right? In, in one of the interviews, he does mention about his own experience, right? When he made uh, this film and he was really really in the lowest point of his life. And, you know, he started thinking about himself and his mother and grandma taking out loans, you know, really heavily indebted to many people. And that situation himself really shapes the critique of society, critique capitalism, because almost everyone in the world lives in the system of capitalism. And facing this global capitalist context, what do people do? There is also the question of the psychological appeal of this genre. In shows and films like Squid Game, The Hunger Games, and Battle Royale, why is violence such a dominant factor? What is it about violence that draws attention to the issue of class disparities? I think these types of shows also reflect our fascination with the idea of competition versus cooperation. Jessica Engelbrecht is a PhD candidate who teaches social psychology at the New School. These are themes that evolutionary scientists talk about in terms of our history as a species. And it's difficult to say sometimes which has been more important. But I think in these types of media, we're sort of expressing anxiety around that, right? Are we competitive or are we cooperative? From a psychological perspective, I think it's very interesting. We have a lot of research that suggests people tend to really underestimate economic inequality particularly in the U.S., we tend to overestimate meritocracy, right, or social mobility. So a lot of us, uh, even in a very well-meaning way, might be sort of living under the illusion that things are more fair than they really are. We wondered if these death games appealed particularly to a younger generation, especially since many of these films and shows were released in the 2000s and 2010s. Children and teenagers are often leading characters and protagonists as well. I certainly think that this genre has become a way for younger audiences to kind of explore the tensions of class inequality, the sort of violence that is inherent in extreme inequality. And a lot of these stories are really about building sympathy, right, or building understanding of the the lower class characters who we hope take kind of a heroic role or at least will hopefully persevere in some way. Classism in film and television remains an ongoing trend in the entertainment industry. Even though violence seems like the focal point at first, these films and shows tackle a nuance of structural issues in our society. You know, we don't necessarily recognize it, but I guess through these, it's exciting, it's thrilling, you know, it's enticing to look at violence and then to look at death games and to see people fight against each other. I think that's a dark side of the human psychology, but at the same time, it takes that energy really to make people start you know, becoming more critical of their own existence, right, in such a society. For WNSR New School Radio, I'm Ali Santana.